forever. Dog. This week on the podcast, Sylvia Moreno-Garcia's Silver Nitrate. Hello, welcome to Teen Creeps, the podcast that discusses YA pulp fiction. I'm one of your hosts, Lindsay Katai. I'm another one of your hosts, Kelly Nugent. And today we are talking about another Sylvia Moreno-Garcia book. This one is Silver Nitrate. Um, Nazi occultism, mm-hmm. Mexican horror movies. Um, um, there, a lot of love. <laughs> uh, yeah, childhood love. And there were some... Uh, I, I thought that the characterization of this childhood love was really interesting and unique. Um, mm-hmm. And I I did like both of these characters. I liked Montserrat and Tristan. I loved them, yeah. Yeah, they were great. Um, and this is the first time that we're like, it's split between these two leads. Yeah, two different, yeah, protagonists. Yeah, yeah. which I like. I always, it, And I don't mean this in a negative way. I do like when there's a romance and then we get to see both sides and it's kind of like, oh, well, you know what? (laughs) Stop playing around, you guys. Stop playing around because we know it's not unrequited. It's just entirely. It's just very, very hmm, full of denial. Yes. (laughs) And I mean, he is because it's uh, uh, Montserrat knows that she loves him and Tristan uh, is in denial. It's because he's superficial. Yes. But I, he's I grown actually, up a lot. He grows up a lot in this. And then there was, I have, I, I have screenshots of like, he is also like aware that he is not a good person. Yeah. I, re- I really do like him a lot. Me too. I liked both of them a lot and I wanted the best for them. Um, I feel like her other books feel so fleshed out and lived in. And this one... I don't I didn't feel like negatively about like I wasn't like angry reading the book. No, I loved the story. It yeah. was just it felt a little not rushed exactly. It's like me, the the it writing wasn't felt populated. rushed but the story didn't feel rushed. It felt yeah. and it sort of felt like honestly it was more like the editor was was yeah, checked out. Yeah, because there was a lot of repetition of information. Yeah, and also even was, like, like words, like the yeah. same words, line like after verbatim, line. Yeah, verbatim yeah. phrases, and particularly in the scene, in a scene between three of the characters, between Tristan, uh, Montserrat, and Jose, mm-hmm. when Jose kept having to repeat that, yeah, that he was not a ghost. He was like living, not Jose, yeah. but the, um, Wilhelm. What is his last name? Ewers. That well, Jose was saying that Ewers was not a yeah, ghost. Yeah, he, he was yeah. saying that Ewers wasn't a ghost. He was just like between realms. He had yeah. to say that like to Tristan like four or five times. Yeah, I didn't. And get- I was like, Tristan, I'm going to jump in the book and tell you that he's not a ghost in a second. Please yeah. get it through your skull. And and that yeah. shouldn't. It's like I understand that people might do that in real life, but it makes reading a book a yeah, little tedious. Do it twice. Yeah, do it twice to show that he's like not listening because he's so freaked out or whatever. Yeah. He's in denial. That's fine. But it was like so many. It was times, a lot as of if times. she thought the reader was gonna. 
forget or something. It yeah, was just it was not too many times. It was too much world. repetition of lore. Yeah. Too much repetition of yours's biography. Yeah. Like yeah. we got all of the biography and then we got Montserrat thinking of the biography and then we got Montserrat telling other people about the biography. I was just like, we know. Yeah. And we then know. well, and then like also we got the information about the biography like in eight different ways. Like we got mm-hmm. it from the secret book. We got exactly. it from uh Jose. We got it from uh who's the director? Uh, Ureta. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was just like over and over again. So it, th- there was a lot of fat yeah. to the book. Well, and like usually in her books, I'm so invested about like what's going to happen. I think that because there was so much just information dumping happening, I, it was taking me out a lot. Because if you mm-hmm. if you pitched this story to me, it's amazing, right? Yeah. Like, it's so up our alley. Yes. It's like, okay, this like fucked up like Nazi occultist um, pairs with a horror director in the 50s. In the 50s to make something on, to make a movie on silver nitrate because he believed that ritual when experienced by others like how um alistair crowley's play was like ritual magic but if amplified to many many viewers and like perpetuated through silver nitrate film and sound and um dubbing over the sound to make like a closed loop creates like a very powerful spell that it never gets finished yeah i think i think this is chaos magic right yeah, it's um, it's it's uh, well, because there, there's a lot of references to a lot of uh different types of magic. There's um chaos magic uh through Aleister Crowley. There's also um like uh, they even mention um church. Oh God, Church of Satan founder. Um, I mean she she taught. There is there's such too much dumping of info yeah. dump page after page of info dump. Um. Oh, Anton Lavey. Uh. Which, like, and that was the thing, too. It's that, like, I feel like it is true that if you are going to go into something that does have a lot of... (sighs) The subject matter itself is very esoteric, right? And I don't know if you've ever tried to read any of, like, Aleister Crowley's documents or Anton LaVey's documents. It is all very, like... I, I I know I just said esoteric, but it's just very like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> well, it's it's yeah, the writing is a little impenetrable. Yeah. Yeah. And I understand that there's like a ton of information that she wants to get forth because it's like But like she can get the information forth without being a course in yeah, it. Yeah, it felt like a course. A it history felt class like a, a master class. Like, so you want to know about chaos magic? Yeah, um, but like I, so much of the inf- so much of the background was just that it was background, and it was like it it had a little bit of that. And I mean, Marino Garcia is like a Lovecraft. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it did feel a little scholar. Yeah, um, but it had that old mm-hmm. style of like I'm I'm like over. Conv- I, I'm working. Yeah harder than I need to to try to like convince you this is real and it's like I'm on board for this to be real within the story like I'm not somebody in like 1850 who you need to like convince like I'm, I'm 
great, they're magic. I, I got it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it just it felt like she was overselling all of the ideas. And I think you can, little. yeah. And I think you can, like, how do I put it? Like, you can still be like, you know, oh, from the Church of Satan or from um, Aleister Crowley's works, whatever, without then ex- giving us all the backstory on like Aleister Crowley's work. Like, I just felt and, like and multiple times yeah multiple times That's what was weird is i i am interested like yeah give me i'm interested in the subject it's not that it's that it was like taking up so much page space and not that much was happening in the story yeah it also it. Well, it was like we would take long long breaks <clears throat> while montserrat like schooled herself in magic yeah well because most of the stuff that we learn is literally from her reading so it's like she read about this and this and this and this. And then or it's Abel Uretta like just telling them things. And I know that books are different than screenplays, you know, like, but I just kept imagining them all three sitting at a table while one guy's just talking. Mm-hmm. And I was like, exactly. oh, my God. Good boy. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think and it was just like so much of that because it was like, yeah, we were getting it from Abel. Then we're getting it from a book. Then we're getting Montserrat telling Tristan about it. Then we're yeah. getting it and then from Jose. Jose. Then we're getting it from Claremont. Oh, my then God. We're getting and it then, from then, Marissa. From, from then we're getting yeah. it from Alma. Then we're yeah. who is Marissa. And it was just like over and over and over and over and over and over and over. I think the the thing is, is that this is a very challenging. It It is quite a challenging endeavor to be like. This is the story I want to tell, and how can I do that very succinctly? I, I, it, any, it's funny that this is about an editor. <laughs> I, it feel, yeah, that's the thing. It feels like it, yeah. Uh, yeah. Montserrat is a sound editor, uh, and um, it feels like this book was kind of lacking an the editor, heavier touch of an editor. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, but that said, I still think it was like, a solid yeah book yeah me too i yeah i i think it's just again like we both love this story yeah i i really love this story and i think it was like i think i wouldn't have had the complaints i had if the like um if the other stuff like like if the way that we got that background information was a little bit less repetitive and more interestingly conveyed and i know that's vague conveyed Less frequently. Well, because also, I like, just, we got it. I got, I get but it. But I think I would have still had the problem if the way we were getting all that information was from Abel telling them. Like, I just them sitting at a table and then info dump all at once. Because I was reading and I was like, damn, this is like page after page of just us listening to Abel talk, which I was, I was okay with it by that point. So, like, for me, I was still engaged. I was. I was absorbing the information and like mm-hmm. I wasn't checked out, but I was like, man, like I did have the thought, man, yeah, this is a lot of she him needed talking. to break it up. So it need a li- yeah. So instead of like getting the entire story from every single character over, yeah, we over could again, get piece by piece, yes, yeah. exactly, get pieces yeah. of it as you go along, like because it it had a, a noir feel. Yes, it definitely had a noir feel. Unlike a noir, it wasn't like. Oh, and now I'm get, I've I've gotten a little bit more of the the mystery. A little bit more has been mm-hmm. revealed. It was like, yeah, I knew this like 20 minutes ago already, and because I'm literally told the characters again. told me, 
But also the second we met the cut, the niece of the <laughs> silent movie star, I was like, it's her. It's her. Yep. It's her. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let me read the. Uh, yeah, go for it. The thing. Um, Montserrat has always been overlooked. She's a talented sound editor, but she's left out of the boys club running the film industry in 90s Mexico City. And she's all but invisible to her best friend, Tristan, a charming if faded soap opera star, though she's been in love with him since childhood. When Tristan, then Tristan discovers his new neighbors, the cult horror director, Abel Urreta, and the legendary auteur claims he can change their lives, even if his tale of a Nazi occultist imbuing magic into highly volatile silver nitrate stock sounds like sheer fantasy. The magic film was never finished, which is why Urreta swears his career vanished overnight. He is cursed. Now the director wants Montserrat and Tristan to help him shoot the missing scene and lift the curse, but Montserrat soon notices a dark presence following her, and Tristan begins seeing the ghost of his ex-girlfriend. As they work together to unravel the mystery of the film and the obscure occultist who once roamed their city, Montserrat and Tristan may find that sorcerers and magic are not only the stuff of movies. Like, that just sounds so cool. Yeah. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The other thing, too, is that when I because I've read the back of this book before um, because this book has been on my list for a while. And the idea of shooting the missing scene versus dubbing the missing scene, that also feel like I think I know she's a sound editor and dubbing it. But I, I think it's like way cooler and creepier for them to be shooting a missing scene. But that's neither. here. Yeah. Yeah. It just would be a little bit more active. That's yeah. That was exactly the word I was about to use. Yeah. Um, However, whatever. That's very minor, right? Like Mm -hmm. I still thought it was interesting them dubbing it, but also we 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 see them watch it. They and then we jump to it's over (laughs) and done. I was gonna say like it is to your to your point about like shooting. It would have been more active. I was like, I kind of missed that they had even done it. Yeah. I know. It, like, I kind of, maybe it's because I was, like, starting to, like, the, the repetition of information was was getting to me. And I, like, I thought maybe I skipped over it somehow, like, in my, like, No, it literally jumps. I, I turned back in pages because I was like, wait, yeah. so did they do it? And they did. <laughs> but it literally just jumps. Like, they watch it before on the mm. silver nitrate stock. And they're like, oh, my God, it is so beautiful, which it, this also made me really want to see a movie on silver nitrate stock. I was like, I got it. I did, too. Yeah. Some I was eyes like, on this. this sounds amazing. <laughs> There's only like I think we have one or two places in Los Angeles that can do it. Um, but otherwise. That's cool that, to even know that we do. Yeah. I, I was asking Lucas if he had seen some and he saw them in a museum. He saw one in a museum cool. in like England or something in London, probably. Um, but I was like, I'd love to see this. Yeah. Even though it's scary. I want to see those dark darks and those just those white luminescent in the, yeah. Yeah. And then just like the depth too. Like I'd, mm-hmm. I'd love to see that. 
Um, but yeah, so uh, I, I also really felt for Montserrat. Uh, the characterization of the characters is great. I mm-hmm. I fully got who these people were. Yeah, and that was something I'm never bored by. No, like more like character background. She's so good at writing yeah. characters. And, Her and like Stephen King. She like yeah. has that Stephen King. Yeah. Like I can't help but completely like. <laughs> everyone give an entire biography yeah. for every character but it's interesting mm-hmm. yeah um but yeah Montserrat is like so she's in this like boys club uh basically uh trying to do uh sound editing and um she's just getting shut out of jobs they're bringing on this like young guy and it's it's this classic thing of like I feel alienated because everyone alienates me so i'm not going to engage with them and then they're going to get mad at me for not engaging with them Mm -hmm. and also i'm being mistreated all the time and i am blowing up and i shouldn't be blowing up but i also wouldn't be blowing up if i wasn't being mistreated all the time Mm -hmm. um so yeah she basically really like all these characters are like in the perfect place to agree to do a weird occultist thing (laughs) with adoretta or Uruetta, um, and also because they kind of just think, well, let's just help this guy because he's kind of sad. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought Tristan's story was like so interesting how basically he became an actor uh, partly because he was like, oh, I'll, like, belo- I'll, I'll be able to belong on screen where everything is easy. But also like, yeah, I want eyes on me. I, I like mm-hmm. being paid attention to. He's very beautiful. Um, but he got in a car accident with his girlfriend. His girlfriend was driving the car. This was uh, 10 Karina. years ago. Karina, this uh, nep- Nepo baby, uh, mm. soap opera star that was his um, opposite in his in the show that he was in. Um, she was a party girl. He hadn't yet become a party boy like that. Um, she was really drunk. She was driving. She died. He got disfigured in his face. Um, there's like the surgery afterwards was like pretty successful, but one of his eyes now is a little smaller. He has a scar on his face. And also he was like completely smeared by the tabloids and um, kind of disappeared by her, uh, by Karina's father, who's like a, a bigwig in the industry. And he's bisexual. And so it was like implied that he he, he was like a deviant who was corrupting her. And her, yeah. her dad uh, helped plant that story. Yeah, that he threw these like drug orgies and... Um, but really it was that she was a party girl and that's what he liked about her. And so then after that, he like became pretty addicted to drugs and alcohol and tried to kill himself once and only ever to Montserrat only ever reached out like in her eyes only ever reached out to his childhood best friend Montserrat when he's in between relationships and he needs someone to feel comfortable with. Um, I have this quote that I screenshotted. Um, Part of their unspoken agreement, he thought, was that Montserrat must always remain the same. She must be a constant in his life, his true north. There was a monstrous selfishness to this attitude. He understood this the same way he realized he was sometimes annoyingly childish in his demands and affection. But it was the only way he truly knew how to love someone. I thought that was yeah, it's nice, really good. Um, yeah, 
I thought it was funny, like his confession at the end to her of like what really happened mm-hmm. was like very anticlimactic. <laughs> yeah. Like I, yeah. I, that was a moment where I was like, were we supposed to feel like this was a confession? Because like, like he had already told us that like we were in his head. Mm-hmm. And so we basically already had all that information except for the part about how like he was wanting to like fully break up with her. Mm-hmm. Um, but he confesses that to Montserrat and she's like, yeah, I basically guessed that. And I was like, yeah, me too. Like, I feel like yeah. there should have been an actual like reveal in that moment. It yeah. would have been stronger. Well, I guess like- the, the reveal was because we knew that he pretended to be asleep, right? Did we already know that? Yeah. Yeah. So we already knew that. But yeah. The only thing we knew was that he wanted to get her to break up with him. Like yeah. he was doing that thing where he was like sabotaging the relationship so that the other person would break up because he doesn't want to break up. Yeah. Which some people love to do that. He um, doesn't want the guilt of breaking up with someone. So he just like <laughs> waits until they do it. Mm-hmm. He just withdraws. Mm-hmm. And so he was hoping that that would happen that night. But instead she died. Yep. But it, it just didn't. I was like. We're not getting anything new here. No. And so this moment doesn't feel like as strong as it could be. Yeah. 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 I don't know. And, and then also and, like his goodbye to Karina because he yeah. in in doing so in dubbing this film for for Abel Urureta. I'm sure I'm saying that badly. Um Urureta. Urureta. Um they restart this spell that he was intending his intention with this spell was it was like so six runes were to be shown in the credits six runes to be shown at the in the end credits and and then three scenes throughout that were that seemed like confuse confusing weird campy horror scenes but are actually like the words of a spell performed by mm-hmm. himself Abel and Claremont and or was it Jose no it must have been Abel or maybe I forget. uh no it was Abel um it was Abel not Jose Jose was not in it he okay. just wrote it okay that's what I thought um and then the spell was intended to he would then kill himself and showing that movie would bring him back to life but healthy because he has like health issues and he was gonna he he had a vision that he would die young Mm-hmm. But before they could uh, record sound for the scene, the final scene, he was killed in uh, supposed mugging. But it was actually the work of Alma, an aging movie star at the time who was taking her revenge on yours because he told her that the spell was to restore her youth. Um. Jose, his co-writer, told her that uh, yours lied, that it was all for him. So she arranged for his death and um, took all of the film stock for herself and has been, like, siphoning the magic contained within the the reels to keep herself from aging any further. And is mm-hmm. now, like, posing as her cousin? Or her niece. Her niece. Niece Marissa. Um Marisa. Um, and now Abel has convinced Montserrat and 
Tristan to dub over it, to start it over because he thinks his career was cursed when it couldn't get finished. Like, not performing the spell sort of cast a residual bad magic on everybody involved. Like, people died, people's careers were over. Just random little things mm. happened to a bunch of people who Classic all worked on the cursed film. film. Yeah. So they do so, and then Abel is immediately contacted about a uh, a theater doing a retrospective on his work. Um, Tristan immediately gets called in to read for the lead on a soap, and Montserrat's sister, um, Araceli, is that her mm-hmm. name? Mm-hmm. Um, she has cancer, and suddenly her tumor has shrunk, and the doctors are telling her she's going to be fine. Yeah, she's in remission. But then Tristan is seeing the ghost of Karina and Abel is having a vision that he's going to be murdered. Um, Because in doing the spell, like, it unlocked latent abilities, which Abel used to have access to. He always used to have, like, clairvoyance Mm -hmm. when working with yours. He used to, like, bet on the ponies, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but then lost the ability after yours died. And then, so it awakened necromancy within Tristan. Tristan, And it just sort of awakened a general power within Montserrat. Yes. There was another thing, too, that I wanted either wrapped up or explained. So uh, there's like each of the elements are associated with a different type of magic. So water is associated with necromancy. Um, air is like the final element that's requires a uh, um, mastery of all the other elements, um, and it's a kind of elusive. Uh, ground is I don't remember. <laughs> One is clear. I think either. fire. She so, has fire. She like, has or, fire. Or she's like drawn to fire. Mm-hmm. And um, clairvoyancy, I think, is ground. I'm not sure, but. So the the water is necromancy, right? So he keeps noticing that like his taps are on all the time, even though he keeps turning them off. Mm-hmm. And then every time the taps are on, like he sees the ghost of his uh, dead girlfriend, Karina. But to me, I'm like, I wanted an explanation of how the taps were turning on. Was he turning them on? Was he like, was his power of water... Maybe like he was calling water to himself unconsciously. Yeah. And that's how the Maybe. Yeah, or is it like that's how yours was haunting him or what? Like it it to me that was not clear cuz I was like, so who's doing the water? How's the water I happening? I don't know. I thought maybe it was Karina doing it. But, but then it seemed like Karina was truly just like a vision and like didn't really have couldn't really well, affect anything. Also, it's like mastery of water creates mastery of necromancy. So I was like, okay, so then that means you need the water to, like, you know, you need to be like using water to access necromancy. So it wouldn't, at least to me, that's cart in front of the horse if she's doing the water because she comes because of the water. Maybe it's just like they come together. So like, (laughs) (laughs) so it's just like Um, they both of them happen. They both like in bursts of power, like like it's correlation, not causation. Maybe 
But yeah, but I would have liked that, that answered. Yeah. She answers so many other things. So many other things so many times. <laughs> to the point where I started to tune out and then I didn't retain as much. Yeah. Which is not great. <laughs> I already had some base knowledge about like Anton LaVey and Aleister Crowley stuff just from having. Yeah, I have a little bit, but I don't like think as much as you gotten it well i yeah I, but but again this is the other thing about like chaos magic and like church of satan and all of that stuff and not necessarily church of satan now as it stands but like or, the origins and like anton lavey's writings and stuff i could probably read or listen to or absorb information about those things seven hundred thousand times and i would not like i still am just like uh Mm -hmm. I don't really know because I lack the, I think it's that I, I'm interested in it vaguely, like as a topic, I'm like, oh, interesting, like whatever. But then the, the, the structure of the, of the readings are so horrible <laughs> that I'm like, <laughs> I can't push myself to study this because my desire to understand it is not great enough. Mm. it's too impenetrable for me personally because I will mm -hmm. read it and I'll be like, okay. And then maybe a month goes by and it's gone. Yeah. Yeah, I'm they, very interested in the theory of it. Mm -hmm. But the information is, it can be a little, um, keep you at arm's length. Yeah, and I think purposely so, right? Like it's like, like Alistair Crowley kind of thought a bit about himself. So he was like, every word <laughs> I write. He thought a bit about it. You know, he thought a bit about himself. So he was like, you know, I need to write this mm -hmm. uh, in the most flowery way possible and circuitous at that. Um, and like it's implied in this book that that's part of the magic. Yeah. Like that's part of the spell casting is the the flowery language. Yeah. I, li I, I liked that, um, that Montserrat, demystifies it a little bit when she's like okay so like you used runes because like they were important to you but it's not the runes that were powerful it's that it was meaningful to you yeah it's what you imbue the runes with yeah like intention right mm -hmm. like and I, so i did like that too i, I am also, largely familiar with this concept via michael via grant morrison Right. So, like, because of Mike being a huge Grant, oh, Grant Morrison, Morrison fan, uh -huh. mm -hmm. um, and Grant Morrison is in turn a big Chaos Magic Aleister Crowley mm -hmm. person, um, that's how I am familiar with it. And so <laughs> my knowledge of it is pretty bare bones, but I'm like, yeah, Chaos Magic, cool. Yeah. Well, and also the name of it is so fucking cool. Chaos Magic. Chaos oh, Magic. Oh, that Hell is yes. tight. Sexy. Very sexy. But I, I did like that too, right? Of like where she she's, and that is the thing, right? With fucking Nazi white supremacist idiots. It's like they create this like to them seemingly undefeat, undefeatable they're like, well, yes, mm -hmm. obviously, Aryans are the best because of blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, he's literally taking magic like, from yep. people in the street that he meets that are like, because he's hiding in fucking uh, he's like, Mexico. Oh, I guess because they're like descended from like Mayans and Aztecs, like maybe. And because those people were like taught by the Atlanteans. Like, I don't understand. 
like racist white people's obsession with Atlantis. Oh my God. They love it. They're it obsessed. sounds so fucking goofy to me. Like, I'm descended from Atlanteans. It's like, why, why do you even need that to be the case? <laughs> why do you need that yeah, of I know. all things to be? Like, underwater, <laughs> like this lost civilization that's now underwater. What is, what is the draw? Yeah. What about I Atlantis know. is so appealing? I think that it, it's... Well, it's very magic sounding, right? You're like, whoa, under the water. <laughs> and then it's like, that it's, that it's like lost, right? So they're like, oh, fuck. Like, mm, this is why I like live in like a shithole and like I'm failing at work. It's because my ancestors were lost in the sea <laughs> and I need to get my rightful. Special. Like, yeah, and and it is this obs- obsession with needing to be special, right? And realizing that at the core, you really are not. Because the people that believe in this kind of shit are, like, the most boring fucking people on the planet. Mm-hmm. I'm loving, I'm looking at this Wikipedia article about root race, which is, which is the, what this has its <laughs> root in. Mm-hmm. Um, but says, root races are stages in human evolution in the esoteric cosmology of theosophist Helena Petrovna Ble- Blavatsky, as described in her oh, book, uh, The Secret Blavatsky, Doctrine. Madame Blavatsky. Blavatsky. Mm-hmm. These races existed mainly on now lost continents. Blavatsky's model was developed by later theosophists, theosophists, most notably William Scott Elliot in The Story of Atlantis and The Lost Lemuria. Annie Besant further developed oh, the yeah, model the in, and I just love this title. Man, whence, how, and whither? <laughs> <laughs> See, that's an example. That is Man, an example. Whence, of how, and whither? Wha- how the fuck this writing is? It's literally, yes. whence, how, and whither? What? Whither. <laughs> what? Both Besant and Scott Elliott relied on information from Charles Webster Ludbeater obtained by astral clairvoyance. It's like, yeah, you pull this out of thin air. Um, blah, 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 blah. Associated with the time periods associated with these races. Epochs. Um, locations of the proposed former continents. Blah, blah, blah. Earthquakes. Sudden sinking of Atlantis. According to Blavatsky's writings, there are seven root races assembling for our Earth. Each root race is divided into seven sub-races. Like, it's just, like, so... It's like, why is your made-up magic so dense? <laughs> like, this is I know made up. You made this up. I think it's like they were just doing writing early drugs. fantasy. <laughs> the writing first of root fantasy. race was ethereal, i.e., they were composed of etheric matter. They reproduced by dividing like an amoeba. Earth was still cooling <laughs> at that time. The first mountain to arise out of the stormy primeval ocean was Mount Meru. Mount Meru, aka Polarian. The second root race, Hyperborean. The second root race lived in Hyperborea. The second <laughs> root race was colored golden yellow. Hyperborea included what is now northern Canada, Greenland, Iceland, Scandinavia, northern Russia, and Kamachka. The climate was tropical because Earth had not yet developed an axial tilt. The esoteric name of their continent is Plaksha. <laughs> they called themselves the Kimpurshas. They reproduced by budding. It's like, this is what are made we talking up? about? What are you what talking are you about? What are you fucking talking about? The oh, third wait, are, are you talking about the kingdom Lemuria. of Mu? 
Yeah, I'm from the kingdom of Moo, an ancient race of magnificent and noble cow folk. <laughs> We're called the Mooians. Hold on, okay, because I'm looking right now on, um, so the impact of Mayanism on the you the 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 uh the Plato story of Atlantis and like the modern ideas of Atlantis and so basically kind of what we were saying and, and what is explained in the book is that um basically uh when western or when when um like Europeans discovered the Mayans uh racist Europeans um when trying to connect to the old and new world were like well these ruins could not have been made by these people so because they must have been made by Atlanteans. Yes, because the entire basis of their like colonizing was these are a primitive people and we're right. bringing them civilization. So they can't have already had civilization. That must have been somebody else. Either exactly. aliens or a distinct uh, race of people that now live under the sea. Uh, yeah, a, a, a lost race of white Nordic folk <laughs> who perished under the ocean. Um, so they... they Weird is it says that like the descendants of Atlanteans on this Wikipedia article include those of the Mongolian race, the Mal- Malayan race, and the American Indian race as American Indian. So that's what some people of the late 19th and early 20th centuries called the olive-skinned Mediterranean race. So it's like, where are the white people within this idea? Oh my god. Okay. Well, all right. This is what I'm also finding. So there's this guy, mm-hmm. uh Brasud. Brasud de Bourbourg. Okay, so he traveled through Mesoamerica in the mid-1800s. And then he was like, guess what, guys? <laughs> he lost his academic credibility because of this. Huh, I wonder why. So he was like, the Mayan people descended from the Toltecs, which is an, a, a Toltec culture. It's a Colombian Mesoamerican culture. Um, and then he's like, they were the surviving population of the racially superior civilization of Atlantis. And everyone's like, huh? Yeah. <laughs> and then he's like, don't worry. <laughs> it's real. It This is a real thing. It's real. Trust so then, me, I got it from a trance. <laughs> so then there's <laughs> Augustus <laughs> Le Plongeon. Okay, he's a pseudo-archaeologist. He goes to Mesoamerica and he starts excavating, which you know that 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 excavation site was crazy, right? Like this guy who's not a real archaeologist who's just like digging shit up everywhere. I found a shell and on the shell is a rune. So he invents narratives, okay? He created the Kingdom of Mu Saga. Mm-hmm. Okay? He's he's saying that's Atlantis, the Kingdom mm-hmm. of Mu. And he was like, oh my God, you guys, me and my wife Alice are actually descendants of Osiris and Isis. Oh my god. Isn't crazy. this crazy? That's so crazy, but also very real. <laughs> and then he's like, <laughs> and then he's like, also Heinrich Schleiman, mm-hmm. okay, who is a German businessman and pioneer in the field of archaeology. He had just discovered the ancient city of Troy. Um, As you do. <laughs> from from Homer's epic poetry. Uh-huh. And he was like, we're connected to Heinrich Schleiman, which I feel like that Heinrich guy is like, please don't include me. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> do we think he was, do you think he liked it? Or do you think, 
I well, need to I need to know more about Heinrich. I'm looking at Heinrich right now. Okay, so Heinrich, I mean, he was a real archaeologist. I'm seeing. Uh, he was really into. So he he found. Uh, he was the archaeological excavator of um, the site of Troy. Okay. Um. So a real actual scholar. <laughs> yes. He. Uh. Let's see. Career. Yeah. He was pretty. Yeah. He he also was like a linguist and um a a businessman he became a u.s citizen i'm just skimming this isn't necessarily information that's (laughs) i mean i think he's probably a bad person because he was a military contractor in the crimean war Mm, yeah probably (laughs) and cornered the markets in indigo saltpeter sulfur lead constituents of ammunition Mm -hmm. and then he resold those to the russian government at 36 he retired because he was wealthy enough to sure and then he was like, from that point on, I wanted to pursue finding Troy. Okay, he was an amateur archaeologist, but I think mm. with all of his money, he was able to, like, find Troy. I found it. I found it. Fuck, you guys. Fuck. You found it. Come over here. <laughs> guys, this is fucking crazy. You guys, it's Troy. <laughs> it's I Troy. Shit. Oh, my God. You guys. Okay, the site... Yeah, I guess he found it. Oh, at first he was skeptical. He was like, I don't know. I don't know if this is. And then this other guy, Calvert. <laughs> Hard to say. This French, Frank Calvert guy, who was also an English amateur archaeologist and local expert. He was like, no, babes, this is Troy. And he was like, this is crazy. I, <laughs> oh, my God. But let's keep digging. So they kept digging and then they found nine buried cities. <laughs> okay. Man, how easy is life back then? <laughs> <laughs> I found nine cities. What the fuck? <laughs> I found nine cities today. Yep. Oh, yeah. He found the mask of Agamemnon. Really? Oh, my God. How do we know this shit's real? <laughs> I don't know. I just like. I... <sighs> You'd probably like you don't unless a bunch of people confirmed this. Oh. <sighs> I don't know. I mean, I guess now you can do like carbon dating on shit. Um, but it seemed like a lot of people were just like, I found this. And then they would just like tour on it, make a bunch of money. Yeah. Like, well, also, he oil. had so much money before. Mm-hmm. He, because he cornered the market on so many things. Okay. Anyway, so this guy was like, we're connected to Heinrich Schleiman. <laughs> and then, uh, he also believed he'd found connections between the Greek and Mayan languages, which produced a narrative of the destruction of Atlantis. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah, and Whatever then down you say, pal. and then and then we have uh, Blavatsky, which is the thing that you were <laughs> her her fucking shit that she was up to, yep. and then Nazism, and then Nazis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I liked reading about the the him. Like, like Nazis trying to get them to use pendulums to tell them where British oh, yeah. warships were. Like, that all seemed fun. I also I like, like... I liked the story of this book. It was just like, it, it, it really could have been tightened up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I also liked that, like, I did like that this guy kind of created his own myth of, like, who he was, Ewers. Mm-hmm. When he was like, oh, yeah, like, actually, I was, like, not a Nazi. But 
also I did do some Nazi things. <laughs> but um actually I was here when there was like Nazi stuff happening. But also I did actually like, I fled, but I am better than all of you. <laughs> I know. But also like I and I also liked too that like he like they Montserrat and um Tristan point out like they're like okay but you're all light skin you know that right like you're all light skin light mm -hmm. eyes and the only reason that he kept you around was because you made him feel powerful and like he was just definitely using you and um he told you that you were special or that he could make you special right like that's what happened and and he's like yes is <laughs> like yeah and and jose like yeah i knew he was racist Everybody's yeah. like, okay. And he's like, but he was interesting. <laughs> Everybody just keeps saying that. Yes. Was he a terrible person? Yes. But he, but was, he was so, so magnetic. interesting and he magnetic. He was so magnetic. He was so magnetic. Powerful. Even Montserrat. Just say he had a big schlong. <laughs> just get it, get it over with. Just say he had a big swanging thing. <laughs> swanging thing. <laughs> Kelly, where do you get these things? <laughs> I don't know. I have really bad heartburn right now, so I think it's making me crazy. <laughs> uh, I ate a Pepsi, but it is still boiling. But you know why? Because I had coffee, half of a protein bar, and then tomato soup. And I think mm, something's I'm in much the same situation. Inside of me, where there's a lot of acid. Yes, yes, yes. And it's really hurting. Um, and I need to eat just like some bread or something and just have it soak it up. This was the other thing. In the other books, whenever the main character feels this like scary magnetic pull to a scary guy, mm -hmm. I always felt it. Yeah. But with I this, know. I was like, I don't know. I, was, I guess yeah, he's like was, barely around. Yeah. It was a lot of being told that he was magnetic and not me feeling it. Not at all. He was and barely was there. Like, oh, it was when she thought it was Tristan curled up against Ooh, her in that bed. Was and it I was that. that was a fun scene. Ooh, yeah, and I that really, was... really liked the scene with the the like dogs. Oh the yeah, that dogs. was really cool. Um, yeah, yeah. There was a scene where like these dogs are conjured and they're like sort of like almost like they're painted in our reality. It was very cool. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. And I liked too because at first I was like, okay, so you mean to tell me that this kind of shit's happening all the time? We're not seeing it, but. <laughs> Jose's like, no, this does not ever fucking happen. Yeah, that means is you your guys' is fault. <laughs> and you fucked something up. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I did appreciate that. Um, yeah, I, I liked that when he's, that how scary that moment was when, so she sleeps in the bed next to um, Tristan one night because he's crashing at her house. And um, she wakes up in the middle of the night and he has his like arm around her and she's like, oh, what the fuck? Um, but also she's like, oh my God, because <laughs> I love Tristan and like, mm, this is crazy. Mm -hmm. Um, but then she like tries to push him off her and he pulls her even tighter. And she's like, what the fuck? And then he whispers in her ear, follow me into the dark. And she's like, I know his fucking voice. That is not Tristan. Mm -hmm. And then she like turns around and he's gone and Tristan's just sleeping, facing the other way, mm -hmm. the little mountain of pillows between them. Yeah. Not close to her at all. Scary. <laughs> creepy um yeah so that part was cool and the dogs were really really cool um but yeah so they 
basically after they do the the spell like we were saying like they get awakened like their magic gets awakened um uh and they realize that um things are a little bit more complicated than they thought because it isn't just <laughs> Uruetta and them making this old film because there's other people with because I I, I, hmm, I did like the tease of like you know there's other people involved in this right like you know like I liked the uh-huh. like oh but there's these two girls and this guy that we were just not talking about I guess but surprise surprise they do come into play yeah that's the like noir aspect of the story where yeah it's like now they have to go meet these like other goofy characters yeah in their houses which is such a noir thing because yes, it's my mansion in their houses <laughs> in their mansions in their mansions um so they go and meet the silent movie stars quote niece mm-hmm and she's like um my aunt told me all these crazy stories and i'm gonna tell them to you as if Basically, they happened to me, but like, remember, it's happened to my aunt, not me. Yeah, and I was like, okay, this is definitely you or her, and you're you're the reason you want all this film and you took all the stuff is because like you're staying young, but whatever. And the, basically, she's not that dangerous because the only thing she wants is to stay young. Whereas like the other girl, what was her name? Claremont. Yeah, Claremont, who's just been like working at building up his cult for when he returns. <laughs> And Pathetic. he was also descended from like German, yeah, not shit, <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm, yep. So she has this whole cult where she, her goal is to do like the ultimate blood sacrifice to get yours back forever, um, because yours's plan was to kill himself. I, I, did we talk about this already? Yeah, 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 um. So he, when he was, he was killed sick. by Alma, that basically, even though they couldn't complete the spell, that was the, that ended up being the blood sacrifice. And so it was just waiting for sound mm-hmm. and they restarted it. And now he's like, the more power they get, the more power he gets. He's feeding off of it. He needs followers to he's get cusping. back to the world. Yeah. He's cusping. He's, he's right there. Uh, and and they go, they're like kidnapped and brought to Clermont's house where all of his uh, followers are. And she's thrown into a liminal space where he exists. And he's like, it's, it's very uh, labyrinth. Uh, David Bowie, just let me rule you and I will yeah. mm-hmm. give you everything you want. Mm-hmm. And she says, okay, I'll follow you into the dark or into the night. She did what we said. Yep. Play along. She's like, oh my God, I love I would absolutely that. love to worship you. Thank you. Even though everything I've said up to now uh, makes it very clear you have no intention of doing so. Um, but you're so wrapped up in your own ego that you're not hearing that. Because <laughs> you're so used to everyone saying yes. So I'll just do that too. Yeah. You think and you're he's so like, irresistible great. that you are about to buy this very obvious lie. Well, also, he can't, he cannot possibly believe that she is good at magic. Yeah, because she's not Aryan. Because she's not Aryan. And, but she is good at magic. And because he can't imagine that she doesn't want to, like, change all the things he's offered. Like, yeah. Healing her leg, 
because she has a mm-hmm. disability with her leg. Um, yeah, or, she or had to have a bunch her of surgeries on it. Yeah. Um, and then, so she's thrown back into the real world, and instead of doing the final rune, his rune, which is called, like, the Fig Severe. Yeah. Um, God, something like that. She yeah. does her fire rune that she did at Clara Bond's house before to get mm-hmm. her get her off their back. Um whole place goes up in flames and then she's like fighting also th- this is while they're projecting the silver nitrate film yeah. so silver nitrate very. is extremely volatile very flammable to a point where it burns underwater um so it's very very dangerous and this is why they don't That's, use it anymore yeah. uh but it's fucking whipping around and then it bursts into flames there's just fire everywhere super scary uh-huh so Montserrat is fighting off the dogs or yeah she fights off one of them um and then she yells to they slit jose's throat or something or but he survives he's not there i don't think they cut him up don't they that who do they who do they who do they spill the blood of i think it's him because they have an entire dead body which is uruera or is it just they're draining him but he doesn't have any blood left i don't know I think they do hurt Jose, but they don't kill him, obviously. Um, So Tristan is like communicating with Abel, like, tell me the runes, tell me the runes so I can complete the spell because the runes were kept a secret. Uh, Ewers wasn't letting any one of them know the entire spell, only pieces of it. And Abel is the only one who knows and he's dead. And so he's using necromancy to get in touch with him. And he tells him, use your rune. And he's like, what rune? He's like, your rune. And then... Montserrat yells it too, like our runes, and he realizes what she means, which is just like they're they had little these little like rudimentary little kid drawings of themselves that they used as signatures on their notes back and forth to each other. And they had a little they had a little private alphabet that they would Mm -hmm. make, yeah. And so he draws that on the floor instead, and that dispels yours as magic Mm -hmm. entirely. And they're able. But then she gets like sucked into the scary darkness oh yeah and he goes in after her yeah i I actually really like that part yeah Um, i'm gonna see if i can pull that part up because i really liked that line kindle i love you (laughs) kindle i love you oh and i also really liked that last um line too uh Mm -hmm. okay good Kind of made me think of Cabin at the End of the World. <laughs> yes, it did. It was similar. Uh, let me see here. Yeah, so first he's very scared and he's like, fuck, I'm scared. I don't want to go in. <laughs> but then, and he's also like going to burn if he goes in there, but he goes in and it says, even if the darkness never ended and swallowed him whole, he'd still run to her. Wee! That's so nice. It's so sweet. And then so he like sweetie. convinces her that he's in love with her in the end. Oh my god! When and he calls her, when sweet. she wait, silly tomato. Yeah, she that calls was so him cute. silly tomato because she like is so she's so yeah bashful and and taken aback by by him when she finally like believes that he's serious and not just doing it for convenience. <laughs> yeah, I liked the two of them together. I liked their dynamic. I liked me too. I liked that they got together at the end. Yeah. Uh, so 
um, after he convinces her, like, no, I really do like like love you, and I want to be with you, and she's like, fuck, <laughs> um, uh, come on, dinner is on me. Tristan said, pointing at the vendor and slipping his hand in his jacket, looking for his wallet. This was life, they figured, not a fabulous medley of spells, hexes, and intoxicating power, but the simple, ordinary assembly of sights and sound that were nevertheless a wonder, for they were viewing and listening to them together. She laced her hands with his, and they crossed the street in a hurry, laughing and telling the man to wait one second for them. Mm. And it's so, like, open for possibility. She does a really good job of ending stuff with the relationships where it's, like, so open for possibility. Yeah, you just, like, beautiful. feel everything, like... Like the whole world stretching out in front of them, yeah, their lives together. It's yeah, like, and it's there's something so beautiful about maybe kind of vibe mm-hmm. where it's like, oh, yeah. I did, re- I did like this book. Um, I did. I just was like, wait, it just like the pacing was off. Yeah, the pacing. Well, and it doesn't off. help that her other books are so 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 good. Yeah, <laughs> so well paced. Yeah. I, like I've, ne- I have not felt that from. From one of her books before. Have we only read the two? Or have we read three? Mexican Gothic. Um, Daughter, Daughter of Dr. Dr. Moreau. Um, um, I guess it's just the two. I ju- I've just bought so many of her books at I this know. point. And haven't read them yet. Hold on. I'm going to look here. Because uh, I own Velvet Was the Night. I own Velvet I Was the Night. And Gods of Jade and Shadow. Mm. We should do Velvet Was the Night. Yeah. The Mayan god of death sends a young woman on a harrowing, life-changing journey in this dark, one-of-a-kind fairy tale inspired by Mexican folklore. In 1970s Mexico. Nine books. That's wild. Oh, also, I loved her characterization of Mexico City and having been there, but I obviously have not been there in the 90s when this is. I've never been. One of my favorite cities ever, ever, ever. I'm going again in January. Um, Yeah, and she clearly knows a lot about like Mexican cinema. That or mm-hmm. she's giving a really good impression of knowing about it because I w- how would I know that she's right? But it felt like she's really understood sound editing and Mexican oh. and the Mexican oh film industry God. in the nineties. It just she f- seems like such an expert in everything she's talking about. I man, because I do a lot, a lot of um, uh, sound editing and sound design and stuff like that. I cannot imagine doing it in the 90s. Like the idea of not. Like the tedium of it or the difficulty. Yeah, and like even knowing about like tape and shit. I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. How do you do that? Because like everything I do, right, is like I'll select something and like like something as simple, right, as like um, like cleaning up, like doing an EQ sweep on 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 sound to make it sound better, right? Uh-huh. Make it roomier, make it less roomy, make it closer, make it more transparent, whatever. Like you can, you know, look at a wave file and kind of adjust, you know, your bass and your treble and everything like that and kind of reform the wave form. How, how would one do that with a piece <laughs> of tape? I have no idea. Do not know. I have no idea. So I was just like, oh my God, I could not even imagine. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um. So yeah, I I would like recommend this, but with the caveat that like there are things I didn't love about it. Yeah, same. But that it's a really solid story. It is, and uh, it didn't. You know, I I still like she's still one of my favorite authors, and I'm yeah 
And she like is so good at jumping around to different subgenres within horror. Yeah. Like and yeah. Her, she's really While good at maintaining making her, her like, voice. voice. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Her yeah. voice changes and yet is still her. Mm-hmm. That's very impressive. Because mm-hmm. I mean, she's we've already. Uh, I guess Velvet was the night is also noir. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but that's like, like more explicitly noir. Yeah, this one is like it follows the the arc of a noir without fully with like noir weird you know esoteric what? Oh, magic. That's what I I wanted to say. This is like a really <laughs> this is like a long episode of Losa Spookies. <laughs> oh my! You know what? It did kind of have that that feel to it. It did. I love Losa Spookies. I do too. So like one of my favorite shows in recent years. Yeah, same. It's so um, good. Yeah, I don't think we've talked about that, about Los Spookies on the podcast That's before, so but good. it's so good. And this is like, this is like an episode of Los Spookies with all mm-hmm. of the, like, like references to horror within the horror piece itself. Yeah, it's like Mexico yeah. and, and kind of a 90s feel and like a, mm-hmm. like a little bit of a, pay no attention to the man behind the curtain, but also, yes, magic is real mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm, thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So that that was fun about it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this is a good one. Um, yeah, read it. But yeah, like like Lindsay said, caveat, caveat. Yeah. Um, thank you so much, everybody, for listening. We really appreciate you. Mm-hmm. Thank you to our Patreon supporters. If you'd like to become one, go to patreon.com slash teencreeps. We have a lot of extra episodes for you there as a thank you. And thank you to our Patreon producers who give it the $15 a month level. Thank you, Adam Halwitz, Amanda K. Amy T. Ann Dwyer. Caitlin L. Carrie H. Courtney McPhail. Danielle Lamana. Drew Waranis. Ellie Lagos. Elizabeth E. Emma M. Erica T. Aaron B. Gabriela Santiago. Gwendolyn Ludovic. Hannah L. Jeremy Kronk. Jeremy Goodfellow and Marco Pavlicich. Jesse T. Jessica Smith-Harper. Jessica Yu, Jonathan Venable, Kat Miller, Keith Anderson, Kelly Burns, Carrie N, Kodiak Siegel, Landry Desmond, Larry Nguyen, Laura Hooper, Maddie M, Megan Lozier, Melody, Micah Yunus, Miguel Camacho, Molly G, Molly Marks, Noah Spargo, Rachel C, Randy Klett, Rebecca Goss, Robert F, Rogue Kellyhua, Sarah Wallen, Sasha Gibson, Sylvie T, Victoria Beck, and Whitney E. Thank you. Thanks, everyone. And thank you to all of our listeners. What was I? There was some like way to support us I was going to suggest. And now I have totally forgotten. You had a new idea? Yeah. Send money to our PO box. Oh, that was it. <laughs> Give me yet more money for the podcast. I, I truly forget. That's so weird. Anyway, what a point. I shouldn't have even mentioned it. Mm. whatever tell a friend about us yeah follow us on blue sky stuff oh yeah follow us on blue sky and threads on on like the deadest fucking social media app blue sky god sorry shit is not not popping over there it's not popping but it is better it's a better vibe is it i mean i also i have muted so many accounts on instagram yeah i don't need people to the same people to follow me on instagram and yeah, it should be two different things, threats. but that we're just posting the same thing as the podcasts everywhere. Yeah, because it's, it's promotion. Um, but obviously, Twitter is dying and being led by a racist, anti-Semitic dummy. Hmm. Um. So that's not great. <laughs> um. 
R.I.P. Twitter. I think it all needs to go, though. I think, I think all it's of it a needs sickness. To. I think I think it's very bad for us all to know it's this much of, of about each other. Our, of what's in our heads? Yeah, we should not have this many minds in our own mind. No. Anyway, thanks for listening. <laughs> Until next time, keep it creepy. Forever Dog. This has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by Kelly Nugent, Lindsay Katai, Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. For more original podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcasts.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram, at Forever Dog Team, and liking our page on Facebook.